Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to another episode here at A View from the Bullens, and this is, of course, the weekly catch-up. I am, of course, the Bobble, and joining me is my good friend, Joe Thomas, from the Liverpool Echo. Joe, it's good to have you on again, mate. It's yeah. good. Thanks very much for having me back. No, it's, it. it's an absolute pleasure, mate. It really, really is. We're going to just talk about a few talking points from the previous game, which was obviously the 1-1 draw at Molyneux. Did you get the train down to Wolverhampton? Got the train down, yeah. We've um, sat next to almost, by coincidence, but with, with Ben also this past. Ben Winstanley? Oh, okay, so, okay. Yeah, so I was on this. Dodgy was, journey down then for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking spare, looking longingly over the, uh, the, um, the the enjoyment that they were having as I was there uh, trying to head in the laptop, trying to work out how I was going <laughs> to, how I was going to end up being, uh, you know, get through the 90 minutes and then whatever came after it. So Was he drunk at that point? No, he wasn't. No, no, that's no good, he was right. respectable. That's good, it. good. He's representative of you from the point. <laughs> <laughs> good, glad he was respectable. How was Molyneux? You said on the last podcast with us that it was going to be your first time working down yeah. at Molyneux. How did you find it all? Yeah, it was it was all right. Obviously, I quite like the stadium, uh, to be honest. I quite, I quite like Wolves as a club. Mm. And they do a lot of things quite well. Um, obviously, the most obvious one being how they've got themselves out of the mess this season, starting from a similar position as Everton at Christmas, isn't yeah, it? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it did all right there. Food was all right. I know we talked about was that it? last What did you get, uh, actually? Week, a bit of chicken. A bit of so, chicken, yeah, not bad. Yeah, a bit of chicken, a bit of chicken dinner, yes, uh, on, on, <laughs> on Saturday. So, but yeah, no, it was okay. Um, good view of the pitch, which isn't always the case. Mm. You, you end up a it's lot, pretty central, a lot of the Molyneux. time, a lot of the time, it's a surprising amount of time you kind of end up right at the back of the main stand with low hanging roofs. Yeah. So that you can only just about make out the final, t- the touchline yeah. on the far side. So you can't <clears> see uh, that stand and the, and the fans within it. Obviously for us, where we were at Molyneux, that far stand was the Everton fans and we could see them in all their glory under the sunshine, getting sunburned and, you know, doing another massive turn for, for their players. You're absolutely right. Sunburn, you were covered by the shade, I imagine. Covered by the shade, yes. Yeah, so we, we were, were okay. not in the away end, unfortunately. <laughs> it was absolutely baking. One lad who was actually standing with me had to borrow our producer Danny's cap because he has a high for, well, a high receding hairline, <laughs> shall I say politely. <laughs> and because of that, he, he looked like he was getting really badly sunburned. His head was bright red, really, really bad. So yeah, producer Danny came up trumps with a cap to, to help him out there. 
were they welcoming at the Molyneux? The yeah, they were welcoming. Were they? Yeah, yeah they, were, they were. They were sound for us, certainly from a You're professional perspective. You're not convincing me. You're not convincing <laughs> me. <laughs> no, they were, they, were, they, were, they were sound. They were They were sound. Like I say, you know, press box. Most of them are, to be fair, the, the press teams. So, you know, it's not very often you get a hostile introduction. Um, mm. So... So yeah, no, there was. You know, sometimes it's a bit harder to get in. Sometimes they kind of find your name and things like that. But everything was relatively slick at Molyneux, so that was, <laughs> Fair that enough. was okay. Before we it go was, to the it was slick up to it, everything was fine up until probably five to five to two, and the team news came out. <laughs> that, that's that, that's where it got complicated. Before we go into the serious stuff about the game, that was obviously our last away game of the season. What has been your highlights in terms of press food? Because we've all spoke about press food, haven't we? About yeah. what you get and where you get it from and what ground is the most accommodating yeah. to travelling journalists or travelling members of the media. So we've now finished our away games. Yeah. What's been the best away ground you've been to for food? Best away ground for food probably come as no surprise to anyone. It's Tottenham Hotspur, that stadium. It's just an incredible stadium. State of the art, probably one, one of the best sporting stadiums in Europe now mm-hmm. and as part of everything you know they've just reworked the whole scenario so it's like quite often you end up in press boxes that are quite cramped or it's almost like the press are putting and to be fair we probably deserve to be but you know putting the you last, do you putting do the, deserve to put in putting the last remaining <laughs> space that's available you know and obviously make no bones about it it's a, it's a privilege to get the access yeah. that we do and even to get you know fed in itself you know, so I still Regardless of what's happening on the pitch, you know, when I get into it, I'm still sitting there dreaming, thinking, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. But, uh, but yeah, Tot- Tottenham's a mad one because you know, the, it's more of a media centre there. You, know, you go in and, you know, it's, it's just, it's basically like being in a restaurant, you know. And yeah. most of these places are buffet food. We got, I think we got um, basically a full English at Tottenham. It was a night game, Saturday night game. And, um, yeah, it was almost, it was like fine dining. Yeah. And there's just TVs everywhere and, you know, just seating everywhere, just but all really yeah, tastefully done. You get free it's, drinks, uh, not alcoholic ones, um, but yeah, tea, coffee, and yeah. you know, pop or, or water. It's pretty basically. good. Um, but yeah, that was more like being. It was more like being in the kind of you know the lobby area of a really nice hotel, mm. just really relaxed and. You know, Civilised. That's what I expect anyway. I only ever get to walk through the lobbies of nice <laughs> hotels. I never get to spend any time in them. But Tottenham, Tottenham was almost so kind of. It's so modern, so state-of-the-art, it's unfair to compare it to everyone else. So so from the kind of, for the rest of it, I'd probably say Chelsea. Chelsea was excellent. Was it? Uh, Chelsea, the media facilities are kind of a little bit older and a little bit more kind of, um, rundown would be harsh, but you know, you, it's it's not as state-of-the-art, but the food there was great. It's, uh, we had a lasagna there. Nice. And, uh, and a build-your-own-trifle for... Uh, for oh, that, I bet you love that, I can see you smiling. I bet you love that, didn't you? Build-your-own-trifle. Probably my favourite dinner and my favourite A last-minute equaliser in a build-your-own-trifle. You cannot ask for anything more. Wonderful story with Ellis Sims, <laughs> which even Sean Dyche managed to kind of like give us enough for it to yeah. carry on as a wonderful story. Yeah. You know, even he bit on that one, luckily. So you come away, your belly's full, you've you know been to another wonderful stadium, Everton have got a last minute equalised. The, yeah, the young <laughs> and you've had to build your own trifle. Yeah, build your own trifle. The young lad who's come through the academy <laughs> scored the goal. Like you just you get back to the got back to the hotel that night and we just thought, you know what, this this is this isn't too bad. And unfortunately, obviously, next few weeks happen and we ended up back in trouble. But well, yeah. <laughs> you said we're not going to compare, yeah. and that is exactly what we're going to do. So we've heard the best. Where has been the worst for you this season, okay, and why? Yeah, I can probably guess. I'm going to guess. Go on, guess. I'm going to guess Bournemouth. No, oh, no, okay, no, no, no. Okay, I think okay. I'm going to surprise you with this oh, one. Right, so and on. it wasn't quality of the food, but uh, the worst one was Newcastle away. Oh, yeah, that's it. And we had a curry at Newcastle. 
and um, the food was fine. The food was lovely. I haven't really had a bad experience with the food. But uh, they had some p- potato wedges at the end, and I needed it to kind of beef out the uh, beef out what I was getting on the curry. And they said, "Do you want?" So I said, oh, "I'll just have a few." And they actually gave me. I said, "Can I have a couple?" And they actually gave me two and moved me along. Well, you get what you asked yeah, for. Yeah, I got what I asked <laughs> for. But yeah, there you got. They got the shovel, haven't they? And I, I think I'll, you were... <laughs> I'll get a plate full here, and I got two, and that was it. I thought you were going to say Bournemouth because I know the media room in Bournemouth is is not great. It's not the best. It's not the best. No. But fair, you know, fair enough that they kind of come back. Obviously, I've got Premier League pedigree from before that, but I've interesting thing about Newcastle this is one of the more bizarre things that I've seen this year the uh, in the media suite at Newcastle the plug sockets are upside down I've got no idea why that, that is odd <laughs> like, they've all been fitted upside down so you know normally the two prongs go beneath the one yeah, yeah. you have to do the other way and the upside the switches are upside down no idea still trying to fathom that one out yeah we'll ask Newcastle about that that is our uh, producers, uh, laptop chargers. There you go. Our producer Danny saying because of laptop chargers. No, because the the switches were also wrong. So you had to go down to go on and things like that. Very so, very weird. But right, yeah, no. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. We're going to talk about the actual game itself. Wolves won. Everton won. Yeah. A lot happened. There was probably a lot to talk about. Nathan Patterson went down with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Dominic Calvert Lewin went down with a hamstring injury. So there was two enforced changes there. A lot of changes in the second half in terms of the system, uh, the style of play that we kind of tried to implement. We put Michael Keane up front. I think Yerry Mina had a little stint up front towards the end. It ultimately turned out Yerry Mina's equaliser proved a huge goal. Tarkowski wins the knockdown. Keane feeds it back into the box. Yerry Mina puts it away. All three centre-halves having a say in the goal. Would you have took a point before kick-off? Yes, I, I would have done. Uh, I would have taken anything that would have kept it in Everton's hands going into the final game of the season. So, albeit a point was always going to lead to a nervy next few days, and obviously it was a very nervy mm-hmm. next few days, um, I kind of thought that Wolves could still pose danger to an Everton side that you know, was already going into it with a few injuries and a few concerns. And, you know, obviously you like to think, oh, maybe Wolves are going to be on the beach. And, and they were, there was a kind of almost a party. I thought, in the I home thought end. first 30 minutes of Everton would have got one. Yeah. I think we'd have run out winners. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think so. I think so. But I think the problem is with something like this situation Evan had with injuries at the moment is they, they become an easy target. Mm. And the minute that Dwight McNeil was at left back, you could just see the, the, the game plan for Wolves. And it was like this for the first 10 minutes was just, you know, get the ball to Neves. He swings it out over Dwight McNeil's shoulder and Adama Traore chases after it. And they got a few good opportunities. Dwight did really well. I thought he did well, yeah. But they still got a few opportunities out of mm. it. And, and that was where it kind of came difficult. You know, when the team sheet dropped, um, yeah, the press box, everyone was just like, where's, <laughs> what is this? Like, yeah. how, it was how strange. is he going to line this It was up? hard to work um, out. It was. But touching on the injuries first, Nathan mm. Patterson, it was nil-nil. Nathan Patterson goes off with a yeah. with a hamstring issue. Did you agree with Sean Dyche's substitution? He brought on Michael Keane. Yeah, we brought on Michael Keane. He had two options, didn't he, really? Michael Keane. Uh, if he was going to keep the same formation Mason, anyway. Holgate. And Holgate. And I think, you know... In the away end, it was baffling. A lot. Uh, what I mean is, a lot of the away fans in and around us, where we were, they were not impressed with no, that substitution. No, I mean, I, I thought his hands were tied to a certain extent. Mm. I think that the problem that you've got is when we've seen, you know, and it's not Mason Holgate's fault that he's been asked to do this, but when we've seen him play at fullback in recent weeks, he really has struggled. He has struggled, and I think you know, the part of the problem that you've got is. It's it's in in that situation that he was in the other day. It's almost less risky for him to try something new than it is for him to try something that has already failed. Mm. And it did fail because I mean Jordan A. You obviously 
you know, two yellow cards and uh, Mason Holgate only lasted 80 minutes at Crystal Palace at right back, didn't he? And then yeah. left back, I mean, it was against Manchester City. So yeah, everyone struggles against them. But I, I thought that if he wasn't going to change the system in the first place, yeah. and I think that... Yeah, that might have been where I might have gone along the lines of. But if he's wanting to keep four at the back, I didn't necessarily have a problem with Keane at right back over Holgate. Bearing in mind that they're two obviously deeply unsatisfactory options. So at half time, would you have changed the system at that point? Um, We're one nil down. One nil down. Obviously, Dominic Calvert Lewin's has gone off injured in injury well time by for, that point. Damari Gray. So and it was a terrible goal to concede. Mm-hmm. And, you know, awful goal to an concede. Awful goal to concede and just. Wrote us in my kind of report after just that kind of horror deja vu of trips to Villa Park yeah. and Anfield, where team you know we lose Everton lose the ball thirty yards out from the Nottingham opposition Forest, goal, yeah, and within a couple of seconds it's in the back of the net. That's it to the other end, and there's yeah. op- missed opportunities to take someone out. It's unpalatable. It's cynical, but mm. so the second half the, the second half begins with one 0 down. Yeah. There's been no changes. He's kind of made Damari Gray the lone mm-hmm. strike with the Wobi just behind, which has worked at times this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it felt, it felt like it, it felt like in doing what he did, it felt like he, he made a lot more change than perhaps needed to be made. You know, obviously you know, Dwight Mill goes left back and then Wobie goes from the right to left and Garner's out on the right. I thought Garner had a, I thought Garner had a good game. I thought, I thought his know, application was outstanding. I thought, um, but you know, I, I think it, I, there comes a point where I'm almost more tempted to try and at some point, the system's broken and the best thing is rather than try and put square pegs in round holes to try and just change it a little bit. And you've got, you know, you've got Keane on the pitch already, Tarkovsky, Mina, you know, we know Alex Wobie's done. He did well at right wing back. Again, mm-hmm. not a satisfactory option. You don't want him playing there, but you know, he did it well. He did a job for Everton in the back end of last season. We know that Dwight McNeil was probably going to be more better suited. He's probably going to be better suited to left wing back as opposed to left back. And I probably, you know, I would have considered doing that. I think almost you've got the three centre backs on the pitch already. Two wingers you can play as wing backs and then kind of, kind of, you know, a 5 3 2. Yeah. Whether that be, you know, that would probably be Decore playing off grey. Uh, th- that would kind of that's probably where I would have gone I think Do you get frustrated the longer the game goes on it gets to the 70th minute we're still 1-0 down mm-hmm. the game is seemingly drifting away from Everton we're not really knocking on the door we're not creating lots of chances I know Deitch has got his hands tied the the substitute bench is, is very very limited with respect do you get frustrated that there aren't changes and the changes aren't maybe a quicker because he, he left it very, very late again, didn't he, to, to make any change? Mm-hmm. And the changes that he did make, although Everton did equalise to finish 1-1, a lot of fans were calling for Ellis Sims and he didn't get a go. He didn't get a run out even for maybe the last five, ten minutes. Do you get frustrated that Sean Deitch, he is very hesitant, isn't he, to make substitutions? Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean he, because I've asked him about this, you know, he would say it's not hesitancy, he tends to say he doesn't make changes in games as much because you know he doesn't doesn't make changes unless he thinks they're completely necessary. Mm. Well, I mean, come the second half, twenty minutes in the second half, they were completely necessary. The yeah, day. I think so. You know, I mean, ever let's be honest, they haven't come away with a point. They never looked like scoring. No. I know they did score, but they never we looked were, like we scoring. We were fortunate, yeah. Um, and and really in that first twenty minutes of the second half, Wolves had the better chances. Yeah. This was a Wolves side on the beach. You know, it was an Everton side that probably lost all degree of strategy. And, you know, in, in in the chaos that then ensued, Wolves playing with the freedom that they did and, you know, Everton having players out of position and leaving the gaps that they were became quite, you know, quite exposed. And Everton were fortunate that the game wasn't put out of sight. Mm. So, you know, I can certainly understand why um, 
you know, there'd be a degree of frustration with, say, for instance, Sims not coming on. But th- there is also a kind of you can only bring the play these players on if you're going to play to them. And I think one of the stories, one of the frustrating stories of the season has been the use of Neil Mope. Now, Mope hasn't covered himself in glory. He has missed some good chances, but at no point, no point in the season, I think Evan tried, even tried to play to his strengths. Mm. You know, I think when you look at the story of his season, I think both parties have a degree of responsibility in that. And I think we have to be careful of Ella Sims in the same respect and this idea of seeing him as a target man when I'm not sure that he really is. He's not, he might be the closest option in terms of stature, physical stature to Dominic Alvaloon up top, but he's still quite a different player. He's not as physical as Dominic, And is the he? danger then becomes, obviously, and we, you know, as we go into the last 15 minutes, and you've got centre-backs up top, almost you know you can have as many carefully thought out plans as, as possible and you can be as strategic as you want in a situation like that where you've got a side like everything that's just absolutely desperate for anything in the last 20 and chasing a point in the last 20 minutes it's just in, you try and get inside the psychology of a team almost always ends up with a defending team pinned back in their own half and yeah. they have one launching long balls forward now look Ellis Sims probably would have been, you know, he's a finisher. And what you're hoping is that the ball drops down at his yeah. feet as opposed to somebody else's. Um, come the end of it, you know, Michael Keane up top, spearheading the attack isn't ideal. I could see a thought process behind it going into the final minutes. If anything, I think it's more a damning indictment of the recruitment strategy that's led to a situation mm. where Everton in a do or die game that's, you know, fighting for not just their Premier League survival, but to a certain extent, when you look at the, you know, the fears raised in the last set of accounts and, you know, fighting for their future, survival that they need for their future, then, you know, after half a billion pounds and seven years of transfers, your backup option is Michael Keane up front. That's not ideal. Is it? Like, no, no, that, that's a, it. no, absolutely. But, but as I say, in, in the circumstance, those final minutes, obviously, you know, Michael Keane. I mean, we, we laugh about it all the time, but you know, he is actually quite a good finisher. He's quite handy <laughs> he in the box. And you know what? Like it's a, you know, because I, I ask when I speak to players, I ask, or when I've spoken to players in happier times, I've asked about this. They all off camera say he's one of the best finishers of the club. And again, that's that's the the worry is there what that means for the standards of the club in in general. But like. You know, obviously he was in, you know, we, we saw what he did against Tottenham. He got that crucial goal. We saw what he did against Palace last season when he got the goal that started the comeback. You know, we saw what he did at Forest when he got the assist for the first goal. And, you know, we saw that again at the weekend when he got the assist for, for Yerry Mina's goal. Um, you know, Sean Dyche has very, very limited options. He was already in a difficult position before the injuries on mm-hmm. Saturday. Do agree with every change he made in the times of them? Not really. Do I think there were obvious answers that would have solved the problem, would definitely have solved the problem? No, I think he was always, you know, on the back of a fag packet by the end of that with the players he had available and the situation as it was. Mm, no, I, I absolutely agree. One thing I will just say, and I think I think you'll agree, no matter what happens, obviously, on the pitch and off the pitch, one thing we can't argue is the, the players are given everything, aren't they? They're given absolutely everything. And I know it wasn't pretty against Wolves. It wasn't spectacular. It was a real, real tough watch. No matter where you were in the ground or wherever you were in the world, it was a tough watch for, for multiple reasons. But the players are, are leaving it all out there, aren't they? Yeah, they really, and, the, and the reason they got that 98th minute equaliser is because they are leaving it all out there. And, I, and it, I've got a good friend who's a Leeds fan uh, and he goes home and away with Leeds. And he, he was down at West Ham, uh, obviously when they, they lost to West Ham on the weekend. And he said to me, 
the difference between Everton and Leeds isn't about the quality of the footballers in each team. It's because Sean Dodge has got your lads fighting tooth and nail to the bitter end. And he said, we haven't got that this year. We're not doing it. And that's an indictment, isn't it? And when you look at the results that Everton are maybe picking up, you know, the Chelsea last minute equaliser, uh, the Tottenham at Goodison, the late, late equaliser there, the, the equaliser down at Wolves, those points in the, the dying moments of games, they've put us in the, in this position. They've put us in two points above the drop with a game to go. So I think for as much as we, we do question maybe Sean Deitch's in-game management, his substitutions and, and the player's ability week on week, I think something we can't question is the application from the players week in, week out. They are what they are, but one thing they are doing, isn't it? They're giving us everything they've got. Yeah, absolutely. And this can't be an easy situation for mm. them either, you know. So I think, you know, it, it's clear that they're doing everything they can to try and help pull Everton out, out of this mess. And OK, it might be the same group of players that have led to this, but I think, you know, same last season, the same this season. Obviously, you have to view everything in context, and I think Everton are in the situation fighting relegation where they, you know, for the second consecutive year, and and one of the defining features isn't what's going on on the pitch; it's what's going on off the pitch mm. around it, and that obviously has a knock-on impact. You know, the finances, the recruitment, and things like that. You know, a lot of those players, whether it be through you know, strategy or the players around them haven't been given the best opportunity to play to the best of their abilities. You know, I think everybody's kind of muddling along, but one thing that's clearly happening is everybody is pulling in the same direction. Everybody wants Evan to stay up. Everyone's trying. Yeah, you know, that's 99th minute there. You know, they could have given up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, you just look, you know, just for instance, you just look at um, that 95th minute, you know, Jordan Pickford saves a one-on-one from, from he Nunes. He It's a great save on his foot, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a huge save. Mm. You know, I think... Um, you know, the game looked like it was gone. Evan yeah. had laboured for 40 minutes and hadn't looked like scoring. And, you know, it, I'm not saying that anybody would ever give up, but no. Pickford was still doing absolutely everything he could in that situation to make sure it was only 1-0 just in case something mm. happened. And once again, you know, Jordan Pickford saved it. And, you know, just like his save from the you know, the penalty against Madison and just like so many other saves this season, you know, those are sa- and saves last season as well. Those are saves which could be crucial to Evan's survival. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So it's midweek, Everton face Bournemouth on Sunday, but there's been a few things happening this week, Joe. MSP exclusivity has broke. You did a, a piece on it yourself from mm-hmm. the Liverpool Echo. What are your thoughts on the exclusivity then from, from MSP? Yeah, well, we're not in uncharted territory. I think that's the first thing mm. to kind of remember. You know, we got to this stage 
you know, 12 months ago, or not quite 12 months ago, with um, the, the bid of another US consortium led by Maciej Kaminski, and, and which Peter Kenyon was facilitating. So, you know, just because we've got to this point, it doesn't mean that something's definitely going to happen, mm. but it's obviously a development. It's obviously a step forward. So, you know, conversations are going on. We know that MSP is serious and we know they're serious about their interest because we've seen them at Goodison Park. Yeah. Um, you know, several of their key figures were at the Southampton game and somehow that hasn't put them off. I oh, know, not the greatest <laughs> game know, to come to. You know, so I mean, you know, you look at that and you, you think, you know, these talks have been progressing for some time and yeah. they've obviously emerged as a front runner. So, yeah, I think we're in for a very interesting summer. Um, I think that caution is, is needed and mm-hmm. due diligence. I think that you know, I understand that there is a desire for, for change in whatever format that comes, but I don't think that we can be blind to change at any cost. You know, the due diligence still needs to be done on who's coming into the club and hopefully that'll be done by everyone, including people like myself in the media and, the, you know, the, the national media and things like that, as well as the, the, the right footballing authorities. Um but it does look like there's some movement in an area that has probably needed some movement. You know, Fire Machine has been open about a search for investment for best part of a year now. You know, it, it was the second of his two open letters last summer where he yep. said that there isn't a for sale sign hanging outside Goodison Park. But, you know, it was clear that he was looking for stadium financing. And also, I think in what he said recently or more recently, trying to use investment as a vehicle to bring outside expertise into the club. And I think we probably all agree that some fresh ideas are probably you know, necessary. So. Yeah. Well, looking at the team then ahead of ahead of Sunday, we've spoke about a few injury worries, injury concerns mm-hmm. that Sean Deutsch has. Obviously, Dominic Cavalloon has a, an issue with a hamstring injury. Nathan Patterson also has an issue with a hamstring injury. We obviously also have the likes of Seamus Common, who are a little bit more long-term. Ben Godfrey still suffering with a groin, potentially. Vitaly Mikolenko returned to some sort of light training as well. He's got some questionable players. You know, are they going to be back? Are they not going to be back? He's got a headache, hasn't he, with a few of them? He's got a massive headache. I mean, one area we're having a well-stocked is centre midfield, but Tom mm. Davis again, you know, and what could be yeah. potentially his last opportunity to yeah. play for the club, bearing in mind his contract's out at the end of the season as well. Um, I mean, it's not going to be ideal uh, going into Sunday. Um you know, Nathan Patterson looks set to be out. That's, that's my yeah. understanding. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you know, it's not looking great. No. But, you know, um, so, you know what? I'm almost, it's going to sound really counterintuitive to be interested for your thoughts on this. Part of me is all, in, a, in a roundabout way, I'm almost more worried about Mikalenko than I am Calvert-Lewin in the sense that, Everton have managed to kind of manufacture a plan B without Calvert-Lewin that has had a, de- a degree of success, a degree yeah. of success. We can see that they are so much better when they got Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the pitch. You know, he's changed the side in the last four or five um, weeks. You know, we spoke last week about the wonderful person that he is and the yeah. inspiration he's been with some of the, the topics that he's raised on his own terms about things like mental health. Everton are massively, massively stronger with him. The reason I kind of say that about Mikolenko is if Everton go into a situ- into this game where they've just got no fit functioning fullbacks, we all we saw at Molyneux having only issue. Nathan yeah. Patterson just completely wiped out the structure of that side, and albeit they did get on top of that game by about twenty five minutes into it, they were vulnerable at the start. Mm. They could have been losing before the game really got underway, and I just worry that if we know that obviously we know Patterson's expected to be out. We know Coleman's out. Godfrey was described to me as touch and go at best for, by, by Deitch last week. If Mikolenko's not there, 
the knock-on impact for any team it's selection. a worry yeah and i just kind of think that with with Deitch's Everton, we've seen a plan B that can be effective without yeah. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, albeit not as effective as when he's in the pitch. It's going to force a massive reshuffle yeah. if there's no full-backs. I do agree. I think it's a balance in act, isn't it? And I think, obviously, having players in their correct positions is is, is the balance that you need since Mikalenko's been out. And I think Mikalenko has, has had a lot of critics mm. due to his form this season. Obviously, whether he it should be a starting left-back in the Premier League again is another question. But right here, right now... Everton need players in their right position and what happens is we've seen at Molyneux at Wolves it's not just when Mikalenko's out somebody has to fill in Dwight McNeil was the man who had to fill in but then mm-hmm. you lose Dwight McNeil going forward so then you lose Dwight McNeil's game the qualities that he has going forward so it is a knock-on effect it's a domino effect that's it you see Alex Awobi move from right to left so he's yes. less effective you see Garner go out to right so he's not as effective yeah. in the middle and that's <clears> it like if you end up in a scenario where Mikalenko's not fit then if you still want to play that 4-5-1 the five, same one, system what's it's, it going to be Holgate and Keane as yeah, fullbacks exactly that's it, it, problematic and then your wingers say they are McNeil and Awobi they then know they have to protect their fullbacks even more and be even more cautious and maybe not pinch as high up the pitch because mm. they know the fullbacks aren't natural fullbacks so it, it it then becomes a bit of a balancing act. So I think it is quite important that Mikalenko can overcome this week's training sessions. Um, we obviously know about Nathan Patterson's struggles and Dominic Calvert-Lewin's struggles, but Everton need pretty much everybody, everybody they can fit and available and all hands on deck, really. Because we've seen, we get a few injuries in the bench, then it's, it's very, very, it's thin on the ground in terms of quality and people that can maybe change the game for us. So I think you're absolutely right. I think it is very important that if we continue to play this back four on Sunday, Mikalenko is available to slot him back at left back mm. and it then releases Dwight McNeil to to go forward. So it, it is relegation weekend. It's relegation Sunday. I think they're calling it survival Sunday. Everton... Leicester and Leeds all vying for one safety spot. How are you feeling? Yeah. Um, How's the family feeling? The huge blues. How are they feeling? Yeah, nervous. Mm. Nervous. I think. Um, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of concern in the family. It's going to be there in the lower Bullens. I think on on Sunday, and um, I don't know. I, I felt worse earlier on in the week. I've kind of managed to just step back away from it these last few days. Maybe it's just because conversations change more to investment and yeah. the wider issues and the what's going on on the pitch i think um yeah once once i'm sat there friday afternoon with sean deitch in front of me and you know listening to other people as well as myself asking the questions mm-hmm. about the implications and the potential consequences of this match i think that'll set in and i think really you know when i'm on county road on sunday I'm just going to be terrified, and, and and that's going to be it. Like I'm, like it's going to get you, you, like quite often. You know, then you know, had lots of big days at work over the course of you know 13 years of being a, a you know a journalist, where you know something massive is about to happen, mm-hmm. and you, but you can only prepare for it so much. Yeah, and and that's it. Like I just know, I know that I know that I won't be able to get there early enough on Sunday you know that mm. obviously the ground only opens a couple of hours before and same for the press you know you can only get there but it, I could turn up there at 10 o'clock in the morning and wait for five hours outside the front door before I get let in and as I'm walking across County Road there'll still be part of me that says we should go got your half past nine yeah, Gosh, yeah. Even, though, even though all I've been doing <laughs> no, is in, in a state of paralysis for, for that period <laughs> um, and yeah I think obviously the press conference will set the tone for the following days. They'll, they'll set the parameters for the discussion. Mm. So obviously Sean Dice hasn't been particularly clear on injuries in the past, but 
you know, we'll have a better idea about where we are with everything. And then that will give us a little bit firmer ground to then start thinking about possible permutations mm. and stuff. Um, but yeah, kind of on, on the, on the top level, nervous on the bottom level, a deeper level, just exhausted. I think it's in our like hands and that, that's all we can ask for. Oh yeah, it? I think so. That's all we I can ask so. for. You know, um, if you'd have offered us this, what post Newcastle, the four one home defeat, if you'd have offered it, it's going to be in your hands last day at home to Bournemouth. We would have snapped your arm off and, and ran away with it and said, yeah, we'll take it all day long. I yeah. think, I don't think we can really argue where we are. We're two points above the drop with one game to go. We can't ask for anything more. And with all due respect to Bournemouth, they're decent on their day, but we're playing the 15th, 16th best team in the Premier League currently after 37 games. I, I think you know, obviously Leicester and, and Leeds would, would bite your hand off to be in our position. Absolutely. So I, I don't think we can, we can mind. But just looking at when the season does finish, so the season obviously finishes mm-hmm. on Sunday, what's it like for your work then for that next week or two? Is it, does it start to wind down for you? It'll, uh, it'll depend dramatically on what happens. You know, I think that... Obviously, there will be an initial kind of the final whistle will set off a wave, and we'll ride the crest of that for a yeah. couple of days. So when after. we stay up, so yeah. when we stay up on Sunday, yeah. that's what we're going to say. So expect for a busy couple of days after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of kind of reckoning with this season and wherever now is a kind of from a wider perspective as mm. well. Um, but obviously, you know, survival or relegation will set the terms of that. Yeah. And if I mean. If the worst happens, and I, 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 I'm relatively confident, like, like you say, and I think it's important. We have to, remember to be, that don't we? We have to be. It's important to go inside with this positive, the positivity that so. we all would have accepted <clears throat> this position some months ago, and even you know, the fact that we are in here within the within the context of the last few months and some of the dark days that we've had, you know, particularly at home to Brighton, home to Newcastle. Yeah. It's a success to be in this position. I use that strictly within those terms. Obviously, Evans yeah, should be anywhere yeah. near the scenario that they're, they're, they're facing. They've done well to get there. And, and, yeah. and, that, and that positivity mm. is, is, is important, as it is to remember the kind of the mentality that Dyche has clearly brought to this team, where they're always in a game. So even if a goal doesn't come early doors, you know, just keep, just kind of keep the faith, I think, really, because, you know, the nerves could infect the, what's going on, on on the pitch and that as well. But, but yeah, if Everton were to stay up, which hopefully they will, and I think they will, then there'll probably be, a, you know, an initial busy couple of days and then it'll wind down. Yeah. Obviously, all the players will then go off on holiday and, and things like that, go for their breaks. Um, there'll still be you know, demand on me to be writing stories and things like that. I probably just have to be a little bit more innovative and creative and in, in what I'm going to be, you know, what I can possibly write that, you know, Blues will want to read. Because um, obviously there will be, whatever happens this season, at the you know, at the end of, of Sunday, I think it's been such a stressful season. I think a lot of people would just be keen to just, you know, you're not shut, wrong. That's it. You Have know, a holiday and get that's out it. Of it. put the season ticket away, <laughs> you know, put the laptop lid down, whatever to, you know, delete Twitter off your yeah. phone for three months, et cetera. And just, just have a little Breathe. bit of a break, and, yeah. and I'm looking forward to that break as so well. But obviously, if the worst happens, then you know next week goes from an initial busy period to then winding down to probably almost being busier than at any mm. other point this this season. So hopefully it doesn't come to that because mm. you know I could do some sleep. <laughs> You've got a one year old. You're not getting yeah, any sleep. So, you know? No, that's it. So, <laughs> so before you go, quick question. Yeah. 
prediction time. Yeah, I know, I know you like these. Yeah, I got so it right last time. You did, yeah, you did. It, Everton v Bournemouth, 4.30 kickoff prediction. 2-0 to Everton. I think they get it done. Uh, you know, I think they win. I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I, I, I suspect them. I've got a horrible feeling it's going to be at some point, you know, maybe in the first 20 minutes with a live table, Everton are going to be in the bottom three. Maybe Leicester or Leeds get a goal before yeah. Everton do. And I'm, you know, the nerves of that could create... Almost yeah, spread. Yeah. That's, I'm more worried about that than I am about Bournemouth. It's important we focus on ourselves, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. Focus but, on ourselves. But ultimately, you know, I think Everton get this job done. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to final whistle, end of the season, yeah. and just everyone can just breathe, recalibrate. Tuna will take that all day long, Joe. Thanks to Joe from the Liverpool Echo for joining us as always. If you like the content, give us a go on our Patreon channel, A View from the Bollins. Check us out on all the social media channels. The season might be ending. You can also click the link underneath. Our producer, Danny, is currently waving at me. The season might be ending, but A View from the Bollins will be going absolutely nowhere. There's a lot more content and a lot happening throughout the summer into next season, no matter what happens. But like Joe said, keep the faith. 2-0 victory for the Blues. In the meantime, keep an eye on all our social media channels for all the latest news coming out of Goodison Park and Finch Farm. In the meantime, up the toffees. Take care and all the very best.